Ephesians, the sixth chapter, as we continue on in our series on the family, and we begin to look at concrete duties that uh, both parents and children have, we come to this word from God that flows out of the duties that husbands and wives have. And so it's a fitting way to begin this sort section of the duties that children owe to parents. And so boys and girls, pay, pay a lot of attention today. Not that you shouldn't other days, but this specifically has much application for you. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 3. Let us receive now the word of God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now read verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray for the preaching. O glorious God of heaven, we pray that you would speak. Speak through your minister. However, cause your minister to be filled with the Spirit of God that he may preach the truth and nothing but the truth. We pray that you would help your minister be upheld by the Spirit's power, that he would preach in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that uh, the words that are preached, the people of God, as their hearts are opened by the same Spirit who is in the preaching, they would too see the mind and will of God for them and their children, that even the children here, the youngest of us all, we know the Holy Spirit addresses them. And we also have heard last Lord's Day that even in these themes as it comes to children, we are to receive them, all of us, as children, as Hebrews 12 told us. So Father, you cannot uh, 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 help us enough in this time. We are so dependent on thee. So Father, fill this place with your spirit from both minister to member. And we pray then, that in the preaching of the word, you would let us know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, last time, as we begin the, began the sub-series on children, we heard that children are a blessing of the Lord. They are a heritage of the Lord. And so we had to consider children a right because of the erroneous notions that our society has given us as to what children are, often seen as a burden and not a blessing. And we saw that if the Lord does give us children, they are one of the, the, the things that he calls an inheritance of the Lord, an heritage of the Lord. And so we had an understanding of God's ownership as well of our children, right? They are not ours ultimately, we are stewards for God and so now, as the parents especially had that understanding before them, and children, I, heard, I hope you heard last Lord's Day that you are also, as you are a blessing, you are called to be a blessing to your parents, right? Uh, if you are a blessing from the Lord, you are called to walk as a blessing from God, as a covenant child, honoring Christ first and foremost, which is how you do it. But tonight, we are going to hear of the primary duty that our children have in the Lord, which is that they must honor or revere their parents. Yet, I think if you did a, a survey of homes, even Christian homes, this might be the thing that is most lacking in homes, isn't it? A lack of honor or respect. Uh, oftentimes, the order is subverted. Children rule the roost. Uh, 
They tell the parent what to do, right? They do what they want to do, and the parent has to come in line. They throw temper tantrums. You even see this in stores, and it would have been a shocking thing not long ago. Children throwing themselves on the floor, right? And parents kind of just letting them do that without uh, taking on authority over them. They disrespect parents, even publicly. Uh, I can't, even in the Christian church, in my time in the Christian church, I have watched children publicly disrespect parents, which makes you wonder what's going on behind closed doors, right? And with no consequence, and parents have given up their authority. And I think much of the chaos that you see in church, state, uh, society as a lar- at large can be traced back to the fact that children in our homes are never taught to honor and respect parents. In fact, irreverence towards God in the church of God is truly a product of parents who do not teach honor and respect for themselves. In fact, I'll establish this later, there is a tight connection between the fifth commandment and the first commandment. And when the fifth commandment is neglected, then the first commandment falls apart as well. Because the training ground for the first commandment is the fifth commandment as we will establish later. And so with those thoughts to sort of set in mind what we are going to do tonight, our theme is a child's duty to honor their parents, a child's duty to honor their parents. And we'll consider that theme under three heads, simply put, heart, speech, and obedience. Heart, speech, and obedience. And honor has its place in all three of these areas. First, heart. Now, just as the flow of the text, we have spent much time in the latter part of Ephesians chapter 5, which dealt with marriage. We saw marriage as that great gospel picture, right? Christ laying down his life for his wife, the church, out of love. And the the wife, the bride of Christ, the church, submitting out of love and adoration for her husband. And that teaches us about marriage. Now in Ephesians 6, very naturally then, the apostle moves to address uh, family in terms of children relationships and parents. And it moves very naturally, as I've said. So verse 1 says, so starting with marriage, now we go into children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, boys and girls, uh, pay attention here, right? God is addressing you directly, right? God is addressing you directly. Um, Notice that God often does this, and this is why your parents have you here in the worship service, right? Because we don't, You must not miss out on what God has to say, right? And see, you hear in the Holy Scripture, you are addressed by God. So don't think that when you come to worship, first of all, that God has nothing to say to you, right? He has everything to say to you. In fact, sometimes he pointedly speaks to you specifically as he does here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And so tonight, Jesus has a text that is specifically for you. And so you must more than normal, pay very careful attention. But parents, I would say this too, this text is also vital for you, right? Uh, This is not a text for you to merely say and commit to the Lord, well, may God do a mighty work in my child's life tonight, right? And we do. We hope that that is the case, that tonight the power of God would come upon their little hearts and change them. But you must not neglect to assert to your children who you are to them, right? In other words, honor must also be a duty that you demand from them. You must tell them, no, your your duty to the Lord is to honor and respect me. 
that I, the parent, am worthy of honor and obedience to me as God's design. In other words, the obligation is not just on the child. In fact, the greater obligation is on the parent, right? To make sure that you preserve your authority as parent. Uh, I might just preach wholly and solely on this. Uh, our, our larger catechism is very good saying that we can lose our authority as superiors if we do not uphold our authority in a God-honoring way as superiors. And this is what you find in so many homes, right? There is no more authority that the parents possess. They may have the title parent, but they don't actually possess that authority any longer. But the obligation is on parents to preserve their authority as a parent, to make sure that your children will respect and revere you as God calls them to. And so, like I said, you have the greater burden and responsibility in this text. But children... As the Lord addresses you directly, pay close, close attention yourself. That said, we'll consider the need to obey your parents. Uh, it seems like both sermons, I'm working myself backwards in a way. But uh, you will consider obedience to parents uh, lastly, so that we may pick up the matter of honor in this first heading. So that in the second verse, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, it's, a, it, it's, it's very interesting. Boys and girls, you ought to know this by now. Which commandment is the apostle referring to? Which commandment is it that says, honor thy father and mother? That's the fifth commandment, right? The fifth commandment. And so the apostle is restating the fifth commandment for us. So that's Exodus 20, verse 12, right? And the verb, the action that he wants you to commit to is what? Honor. That's your obligation, children is to give honor. And what is honor? Honor carries, boys and girls, a sense of reverence. You see, when a child considers their parent, they must revere them. And that begins not externally, but in the heart. It's actually very interesting. In Exodus 20, verse 12, the Hebrew word for honor, it has at its root, kavod, which you might know that is the root for glory, right? Or to glorify. It has a sense of, sense of weight, it's often used, you know this, in relationship to God himself. So you are to consider your parents as those with weight and with honor and with glory. And that's something that you must not miss. And I alluded to it in the prior sermon, which is that the child relationship is greatly connected to our relationship to God. Right? As the marriage relationship teaches us how to relate to Christ as our bridegroom, the child and parent relationship, all of us, every Christian, teaches us how to relate to God as our Father. Right? He is put in the relationship, earthly speaking, right, as our heavenly Father. And you need to remember then Malachi 1.6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? This is God speaking. And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name? The assumption is a son honors his father. Right? He assumes what we might call a natural affection that a son would have for their father. And it's that understanding of the natural disposition sons and daughters have to their fathers that actually teaches you how to behave towards God. And it might well be then why the fifth commandment begins the second table of the law. 
It has a deep connection to the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right? Because you see this in Malachi 1.6. It's as though he is saying, if you understand how to honor your father, then you will understand better how to honor and respect and revere me. That makes it, this is the thing, parents, even more vital for you to teach the fifth commandment. Not even for the sake of your own authority, right? But you are doing this for the sake of the Lord, ultimately, right? For God. And I think if your prayers are in that direction, if your arguments in prayer for your children are, help them honor me that they might better honor God, I think he would greatly aid you in their honoring of yourself. So, I mentioned this, children. What is honor? Don't miss this. This is the first thing you must get straight. It is a heart disposition. It is a heart disposition. And that's why our sermon is structured this way. Your heart comes first. Your speech comes next in the second heading. What did Jesus say, boys and girls? You probably have this as a memory verse, Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Right? You have to get honor and reverence for your parents first in the heart. And ask God to help you in that. And then, right, the outward actions, our third heading of obedience comes, where you understand to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of lambs and so on. But it all begins with the heart's disposition. And that's true for us in a general sense, right? With any matter then, right? Uh, Again, this is not just for the children. For all of us, adults, whatever stage of life we are, our heart towards God is what is key. And that's what the fifth commandment teaches us as well. That if our heart is right with God, then our obedience and our speech and so on, right? The third commandment is best understood when our heart is right with God. Of course, I will not blaspheme the name of my God and so on. Now, as I've said, the Bible states this disposition to honor parents ought to be natural in children. Consider 2 Timothy 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. We heard that this morning. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Now, notice what he sneaks in here. Not sneaks in, he purposely puts in here. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy. Without, and here's another phrase, natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, etc., etc. You know, boys and girls, just as a mother, right, we would look on a mother without natural affection for her children with, with a sense of horror. This is where you find mothers who kill their own children, right? And we're horrified. How can that happen? But in the same way, boys and girls, you ought to have a natural affection to honor and obey your parents. If, if not, you have something of, and this is, of course, a secular term, something of the sort of sociopath in you, Right? It should be natural. Disobedience to parents actually arises in many ways from a lack of natural affection. And that's what makes disobedience to parents such a heinous sin in God's eyes. Well, if that is so, you might ask, Pastor, why is dishonor towards parents so prevalent in our midst then? Well, a few things. One is original sin greatly weakens it in the heart of a child. They're born a sinner. Right? You notice this almost straight away. But also, and here's the obligation on your parents. Uh, if you refuse to reinforce a child's obligations to honor you, that's going to weaken it too, right? You need to always direct them. No, no, your heart ought to honor and respect me. 
And frankly, parents, our society is in no way today going to reinforce the children's obligations to you, right? In many states, they can decide to have an abortion and not even tell you about it by law. Society is going to also weaken their obligations to you. In fact, today, children are taught to disrespect parents. You know, a far cry from times past, right? I've talked about this old media. You'll see where the the mom and the dad have a place of respect and honor, even in television shows. And little Johnny and Jane come to their feet to ask for advice. Today, it's turned the other way around, isn't it? Be careful also of the media you let your children consume. Almost everything that the house of mouse puts out, right, has the child as the superior, the child as the one who is, knows more than the parent, right? And where do you think then that the children are going to learn the proper place, right? They're learning, oh, mom and dad are stupid, They're outdated. They don't know what's current, right? You have to be very careful. All the media is doing is reinforcing this unnatural disposition of disobedience to parents. Anyhow, with that said, you have to be mindful of how much poison there is in popular media. Much of it encourages anti-biblical values. Just be aware and mindful, parents. But children... Coming back to the idea, in your heart, you are to always honor, respect, and revere your parents. They are not God. We don't want to elevate them too far. They are sinners. You probably recognize this, in need of a Savior, just as I am. But in your heart, and this is the thing, you need a purpose, maybe even resolve to God that I will never do a thing to dishonor them. Never bring shame upon them, right? You're always to seek to bless them and be a blessing to them. You are to love them. You are to revere them. Even when they seem hard to love, especially when they tell you things that are hard for your flesh to hear, it's your obligation before God to respect them. It doesn't matter actually how old you are, right? You're all children. If your parents are alive, this is still binding on you. And me too. Romans 13.7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. It's their due. It's their obligation. That's not negotiable. Children, and the fact that you must honor your parents teaches you, and this also you have to get straight with our society, they are not your equals. They're your superiors. They rank over you. And I, you know, I, I, I suspect if I was preaching about 50 years ago, probably most of the congregation would be rolling their eyes saying, don't you know, everybody knows this pastor. Sadly, nobody knows that anymore. Your heart must say, I must submit to these, my parents, out of love to God. And parents, again, this is where you must assert, by God's help, that this is not negotiable. Proverbs 30, 21 through 23. And I've always lingered on this. For three things, the earth is disquieted. I think of the disquiet in our land. And for four, which it cannot bear. For a servant, when he reigneth. That has something to do with children. And a fool, when he is filled with meat. And an odious woman, when she is married. And an handmaid that is heir to her mistress. Is speaking of the unnatural subversion of the natural order, Right? A servant is not to reign. A child is is in the place of the inferior. And when a child reigns, the earth is disquieted. And I think if you look around you today, you can see a lot 
of what is going on that is uh, showing forth our land in turmoil. When children then dictate the terms of the home, the land is unsettled. Perhaps what you are seeing today, the grave disorder in the nation and the church. Now, what might convict your hearts maybe, and the place to begin, children, is to consider the opposite of honoring and revering your parents. And what is that? It's to despise them. And I've been a young person myself, and I can tell you from experience that that is often very present. Uh, The idea that I am tempted to despise my parents, especially when they say something that I don't want to hear, right? And when you are sensing then, boys and girls, this is all about the heart, right? This is where it begins, not the outward obedience. But when you start to despise your parents, you start to be fed up with them or whatever you want to call it, then you need to mortify that motion of your heart. You need to put that to death. And you need to say and remind your soul, I need to honor and respect my parents. You must say this and you must remind yourself of this. You must pray to God that he would give you that heart. Right? You must never despise your parents. Consider Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and what? Despise not thy mother when she is old. Right? You know, children, you need to think about this, and now I think adults, you need to think about this. Despise not your mother when she is old, which implies what? That you're probably an adult, Right? And that means it applies to all the days of your life, right? Surely when you were little, but even when you're my age or your parents' age, you are never to despise your parents. That, that relationship for as long as you live and they live is the same. Never to despise, always to honor. And so when they tell you you cannot do something, never despise them. Even if you do it, right? Don't despise them. When they tell you something hard to hear, don't despise them. You must honor and listen respectfully to them instead. Even when they discipline you for your sin, you are not to despise them for it. What did Proverbs 3 say? We heard it last week. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. This is how we saw that this proverb applies to us adults. For whom the Lord, what? Loveth, he correcteth. Even what? As a father in the son in whom he delighteth. You must say that my father or my mother are correcting me because they delight in me and I must not despise them. It's for my good that they are doing this. And you'll be tempted to despise their correction. Don't. God says don't. But be glad that you have a father or a mother who will do it because they love you. So many have grown up, even in this own, in our church, who have not had parents who have loved them enough to correct them. You be glad. Leviticus 19.3 says, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father. And you might be taken aback by that, boys and girls, but as we heard in the Calvin study on Tuesday night, that's a filial, that's a familial, not a slavish fear that we have. That's that honor that we have. And again, why it is connected to the first commandment. The same kind of fear, right, that the Christian has of God. I fear God, but I love and adore God, right? I respect God. I have awe for God. I don't, I don't believe because I'm in Christ that he's going to squash me like a bug. That's not the fear I have, but I revere him. I reverence him. 
And that's what you and I ought to have for our parents. It's not contrary to love then, right? Don't think, boys and girls, that honor and fear and love are contrary. They're, they're bundled together. You must never see them as separated things. In other words, right, if you don't really love God, you will not honor and fear him. You can say you love God all you want, but if you don't honor him, if you don't have a care for what he has to say, if you don't care about his correction, if you don't care about his word, if you don't care about worshiping him, it's a sham. You don't love him, right? And in the same way, you don't really love your parents if you don't honor them and you don't respect them. One of the prime ways the Bible exhorts you then is as children, you see honor exhibited when you cover your parents' faults. And what that means is it first begins in your heart, right? When you think on your parents, are you always thinking about the very worst things about them or are you thinking about what they are to you in love, right? Uh, You are not to dwell on their faults. And this is especially important as you consider your peers, boys and girls, because I know this is pernicious, that there are many children who complain about their parents to their peers, and you must never do that, right? Do you remember what it is that distinguished Noah's sons, Shem and Japheth, from Ham, right? Ham uncovers his father's nakedness, but what did Shem and Japheth do in Genesis 9.23? And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it both upon their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. They covered his infirmities, right? They covered his nakedness. They covered his faults. They didn't reveal it to everybody. In fact, it's the, the wicked son that does that. But what they do is that they always had a care that their father were honored, even though he had debased himself at that time, right? You are to always cover them in love, not even to your own siblings, right? Ought you to complain about your parents, not even to those closest to you. You always cover them in love. And see, this is the thing, and I've even used and I've adopted this. If a person finds it very easy to speak ill of their parents, then it is likely they don't even have natural affections. And that's somebody that you have to be very concerned with, and that's likely a very hard heart that is before you. Now, just to put this before you, there are limitations, right, to the covering of sins. If it's sinful neglect or abuse, those things, they are to be revealed and to even the proper authorities, right? If, if parents are abusing a child, right, that's not the place for covering over those kinds of sins. But it has to be real, actual abuse. Too much of what is called abuse these days is not that. So I would say, children, we are your elders, just as much as you are for your parents. Come speak to us if you have any sort of concern, and we will consider the matter. But uh, I just want to put that there in this day where children are often abused and neglected. We have to be clear on these things. Well, while such affections ought to be natural, sin causes them, as I've said, to be tarnished and lost. And so, children, where you must begin is not with your flesh, right? Your first, your first duty is to close with Christ, right? That God's work through his spirit would be on you. And today is not too soon a day for you to call on the Lord and be saved if you haven't yet. This is where the strength and the power comes. It's not, you know, even the natural affections as strong as they ought to be, but really that God 
would help you honor your, your parents and that he would cover your sins. Because if you're like any child, you have probably even now maybe been convicted that you have sinned against God in this, but you have a Savior who can forgive and can heal and you can turn to him even at the youngest of ages, even as John the Baptist did, and turn to him for mercy. But then after you've done that, plead with the Lord to make you honor your parents. And parents, you know, you need to also remember that this is a heart disposition. So when you are frustrated with your children, you need to lift them to the Lord, right? Like if you're frustrated, if you're like me, your temptation is often just to be frustrated at them and angry with them. And why can't they honor and respect and do what I say? But you ought to take their heart to the Lord who can actually change their heart. And you need to plead with him the covenant promises too. You said, God, you are my God and you are my children's God too. And that they would have not just saving faith, but honor for their parents. Use what you have learned here thus far, even in the sermon, in your arguments with God, that they might better honor and revere you, O God. Let them honor me as their parent so that they may learn what it is to honor God. Now, that does lead to you parents as well, which is that you are not tyrants in the home either, right? While they are to revere you, you are not God himself. Your duty is found in verse four. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to cover this when I cover discipline a bit, but you are not to provoke them. You are not to frustrate them and be severe to them and make them do things, right, that are beyond them. Right? You, you don't tell your, and this is an absurd example, but it's just an illustration. You don't sit there with your five-year-old and put a calculus book before them and say, until you get this calculus problem done, you don't get dinner. Right? We are not to provoke them to wrath and be severe with them. We're not to be unreasonable and give them a miserable upbringing. We are to know each child, their capacity, and also what is right by the word of God and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, right? And so your home is meant to be a seminary of godliness and religion out of love for them. You are to exhibit those characteristics of Christian graces that flow out of God above. Charity, love being the chief and greatest of them all. And you must reward them. I'll cover this in discipline, but just to put this before you, you are to reward them when they do good, not just punish them when they do ill. You know, you are to consider God the Father in his behavior to you. And you must make uh, that kind of paramount in your understanding of what it is to be a parent. Matthew 7, Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being what? Evil. Know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? In other words, the natural disposition of the parent is not to be harsh and severe. But if you are evil and know how to do good, right? wow, that, that actually that should illuminate many things for you parents, right? That even the unbeliever knows how to do good to their children, how much more so the godly. All right, well, I'm going to cover that another time, but we must neither be overbearing nor indulgent towards our, parent, our children. With that, let's consider our second heading speech, which is an area, um, and I know I went long with the first heading, uh, but this is also a vital area that we must cover. So children, 
If you honor your parents in the heart, your speech will show it. Your interactions, your conversations will show it. It will be very plain to hear in your speech, right? Remember again the words of our Lord. Do you still remember them? And I had mentioned them to you from Matthew 12, 34. It is what? Out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh. What does that mean for you children? It means that your speech to your parents reflects whether you honor them. This is an area that sorely needs addressing. I am shocked by some parents and children who speak as though they are on the same level. Right? That ought never to be. Biblically, a parent and a child are not friends. There ought not be a casualness to the relationship. There must be love and adoration, but a casual familiarity is never part of the equation. And I can tell when a child has no regard for their parents by their interactions. Because, again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so it is clear, and a children, a child has often far less of a filter than a parent, uh, than an adult, rather, I should say. So it's very clear if a child has no honor for you, and I, I don't know if you pick up on that or not with your own children, right? So, parents, you must expect out of your children speech that reflects honor for you. It's not cute, even at a young age, when your child does not treat you as a parent ought to be treated. You know, a lot of people laugh at their children when they say the most shocking things because they say it in a cute way. It's not cute at all. What does God think of it? Parents, you know, they often relate things that children even say to them, and I'm shocked. And like, do you have no control of your child? Even though... Even though it is disrespectful or is backtalk, it is never fun and it is never uh, light. You should not countenance disrespect or backtalk. You know, your laughter today, parents, may well turn into heart-wrenching sorrow if left unchecked. Let's begin with something very basic. Children, the terms that you use to speak to your parents or any other superior. You need to address your father and mother with these kinds of terms. Father, mother, dad, mom, you know, something of that sort. I want you to consider the king, King Solomon, and how he spoke to his mother, Queen Bathsheba. He was even the superior, right, in the civil realm. But how did he address her? Listen, then she, Bathsheba, said, I desire one small petition of thee. See, she's even coming to him as an inferior in the civil realm. I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, what? Ask on my mother. For I will not say thee nay. First Kings 2.20. The great king still called Bathsheba, even as he is a king, an adult, my mother. Right? And he had the utmost respect for her. He did not say something like this. Sure, tell me what you want, Bathsheba. And yet, so many of our children will use first names with parents. And it's a shocking thing, really. I think we've been desensitized to it. He, Solomon, had honor for his mother, suffusing every syllable. He even says, for I will not say thee nay. He has honor and respect for her. And in response to our instruction, to your parents' instruction, uh, boys and girls, and this is actually, I don't think, legalistic at all. You ought to be in the habit of saying things like sir and ma'am. Right? 
Matthew 21, and this is biblical, right? I'm not, this is not cultural. Matthew 21, 28 through 31, illustrates this in the parable of the two sons. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. So first there's disrespect. I can't go into this parable. But first, this son responds with disrespect, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, right, and went not, whether of them twain did the will of his father. Now, the issue here, Jesus is saying, is that one, he had the outward form of respect, but not the inward form, right? He didn't go, even though he said, I go, sir. But Jesus is not saying, I go, sir, is a bad thing. In fact, it illustrates that what was outwardly there was not inwardly in the heart, which is where it ought to start. But I go, sir. Notice the son who repented, he was at fault first because he went flippant, he said flippantly, I will not, right? That is sad to say how we let a lot of our children respond to us. No, I won't, right? You must not only say, sir, but you must respond immediately, right? I go, sir, right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Children, we have to have a good speech there, but also immediate obedience. Responding with sir and ma'am, even when I was growing up, was actually fairly ingrained in society. And I thought maybe it was a bit cultural, but until I looked at the scripture and you could see it in the scripture very plainly. And really it was the influence of the scriptures on the society that brought out, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, right? It's not tradition, it's not culture. We ought to recover that way of speaking because it is reinforcing that fifth commandment, right? So when we are given a command, say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. That's very, very helpful, I think, for you to understand your point. And again, the, the, the expectation is immediate obedience, not dragging feet. They go now as one under authority. Now, this is not about parents, but on addressing adults. You know, and children have also lost something of what used to be basic in society. Uh, again, not to address adults by their first names, right? They're not peers with adults. Not yet, anyhow. I grew up in a home where we never addressed an adult as anything but like Mr., Miss, or Mrs., right? And I was very glad at seminary, one of my professors, uh, he actually reinforced this for us. He told the class this, this is not, we weren't children, but we were inferiors. He said, while you are in the seminary and have yet to earn your degree, you address me only as professor, professor so-and-so. And when you graduate, then you can call me by my first name, right? And then we will be peers. And I love, I had this, uh, I've had a couple of young men that I've known when they were younger and I was older. And actually one of the most joyful thing is the day when I came and I was able to say to them, you no longer have to call me Mr., right? Mr. Prakash Pollan. We are now both adults. And so now you can call me wrong, but only then, right? And so children, the other part of your behavior ought to be that, and I remember the world used to say, and this is, an, I, I don't think in any way godly, right? Children ought to be seen and not heard. But there is an aspect of that, an element of a kernel of truth that at this stage, you are to listen more than you speak. You are to hear more than you speak. Uh, humility that God works in your heart would teach you that you have, and this is not to put you down, 
you actually have very little to contribute when it comes to discourse, right? Don't take it that way. That's proper humility in your life situation. Your station in life is to be a learner and not a teacher. And I think all of us ought to have that whenever we think of the fifth commandment in, in all of our relationships, right? A time will come when you have gathered wisdom by hearing, and then you will be able to speak with the mouth of the learned. But right now you are called to sit at your parents' feet, at the feet of the minister or your teachers or wherever, and learn, right? This is a time, think of it this way, I am preparing for a time when I will be of great value. But that will only come if I imbibe and not, because the heart of a child speaks foolishness, right, often. And again, this is just humility. I, you know, in every station of life where I am the inferior, I have to learn that. I had to go to seminary, and I have to know at that time, it is my point in life to listen and not instruct my teacher, right? This is just proper humility. Don't take this as a blow. You sit at the feet of your parents. Proverbs 4, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding, right? You are to listen to your parents, especially they're the primary source that God has given you for information. And children, this would be a glorious God-honoring and parent-honoring thing. What a thing it would be if you would go to them more and not your peers. Say, I have a question about this. Can you teach me about this? I have an interest in this. Can you show me how to go? Right? Rather than getting on, uh, and, and I'm not going to talk about phones today, but getting on the phone and talking to your peers about it, right? Go to your parents. He says, hearken unto your father and no understanding. And so anyway, children, this is your time of life to be hearing and taking in knowledge and not speaking. Even as adults, and this is for all of us, scriptures teach that the wise man or woman is measured with their words. In the prayer meeting, we consider Proverbs 10.19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, that is, sin is not lacking. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Right? Now, as adults, parents... What you ought to do is talk to them and draw out what is in their hearts, right? That's the proper way to get them to, to speak to you is to be, um, be very involved with them, to understand them, to speak to them and draw out, my son, give me thine heart, right? To know them and speak of their concerns, right? Those are the things that we want them to speak to us in those settings. But before parents and other superiors who are teaching a child should listen more than they speak. In fact, Jesus alone was sort of defined by the fact that the doctors were astonished at the things that were coming out of his mouth because he was one who was able to instruct them at 12. That also means, um, and I'm mindful that this might sound like uh, a very basic parenting class, but I think this is where we're at. This means that there ought to be no backtalk, no arguing with parents, but compliance children. Titus 2.9 Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. That means not speaking back, right? Uh, you know, again, I think culturally, I heard this all the time. I was a pagan. You know, you're not to backtalk. Now, this is all coming out of the scripture, right? And it's a society that was influenced by the scripture greatly. But this is the scriptures. Parents, you need to be really firm on this. This is your duty before God. There is no negotiating with your child back and forth. You need to expect and demand a crisp yes, sir, or yes, ma'am in response to your commands. You know, I've, I've mentioned this to some of you before, and I've mentioned this 
uh, maybe in another sermon, but when my children argue with my wife, I discipline them. Not even because they may be right in what they are saying or not, but because she is owed as their mother, as Solomon owed Bathsheba honor. Right? That is the sin that needs to be corrected. They may be 100% right, maybe even in what they are saying, but because of the manner that they went about it, right, then that is a sin. You can be right and be a sinner, boys and girls. Now, all of us need to know that, right? We can even, uh, what did we confess this morning? We can speak the truth unseasonably, right? A lack of honor and respect for your position is to be corrected. They are not to talk back and not to answer again. Uh, There is one exception for this, children. You must protest if your parents tell you to sin, right? Because your first master is God. Verse 1 says, children, obey your parents, what? In the Lord, for this is right. No parent has the right to make you sin or to sin against you. However, and this should be an encouragement for you to be a learner of Christ, have the Bible and the scripture open, right? You can't say, well, I don't want to do it. You need to say, well, this would be a sin for me to do it, right? Uh, Mom and dad, you're telling me I can't read my Bible or you're telling me that I need to um, do something to this person which is clearly against the law of God. Then you say, I can't and I won't and I must not do it. And what you must learn then at an early age, boys and girls, is to test all things. Even what your pastor says, even what your parents teach you against the word of God. You'll notice that even on a, a sermon on childbearing, right? I could get up here and I could just tell you what opinions I have, boys and girls, but I have attempted by God's help to have scripture, right? In each of these points. We don't want you to do anything that God does not want you to do. You must always have that mind and you will walk well with the Lord. Well, your speech must be, um, must be respectful of your parents, but you also then have to do something else which is you must always bless them and never curse them, especially not that. Proverbs thirty eleven. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. And what the Lord is saying is what an evil generation that is, right? Not only do they curse their father in their heart, but here's the positive duty that they don't do. Did you hear it? They don't bless. They don't bless their mother. You know, one of the sweetest times around the dinner table is hearing our children tell my wife, thank you so much for making us dinner. And they even thank me for providing for, for them. I don't think we even ever taught them to do it. Um, but when I pray, right, I always thank the Lord that my wife made the meal and for the Lord's provision. And they seem by God's spirit to have caught on that themselves. And they bless my wife for her labors. And so children, you should bless your mother and bless your father for the things that they do for you, right? In fact, to not do that is a great sin. So all that said, children, and we'll have to uh, attempt to wrap this up quickly, your speech must reflect honor for your parents. And that leads us to consider our final heading, which is obedience. Now, obedience, now, if you understand these things of the heart, children, obedience would come out of your heart. Verses five and six, I know we didn't read this, but let me read it to you. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from where? The heart. 
You see this, right? We do all of our obedience, first and foremost, not even for our parents, but as unto who? Christ. This is why, again, the first and fifth commandments are so tightly coupled. You obey your parents' children for the Lord's sake. You know, you need to see this, that when I honor my parents, when I obey them, I please Christ. If you love your God, then you would do it. That's what your heart must remember, so that you must ever obey your parents. Remember again, 2 Timothy 3, due to time, I won't, I won't uh, read all of it. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and so on. The rank of sin disobedience to parents is in is in such an evil list, isn't it? It's not a small thing. It's not a laughing matter, right? Like our media makes it out to be. Ha ha, how cute the way that they said that against their parents. No, disobedience to parents comes along with blasphemers, the unholy, those who love themselves, traitors, high-minded, heady, those who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That's why, do you remember this, boys and girls, that disobedience was actually an occasion for civil execution in the Old Testament? See, there's a general equity there, right? And the Apostle Paul is saying in 2 Timothy 3 that this list is worthy of death, right? (laughs) Disobedience to parents, right, is an occasion for civil execution because why? It is unnatural and it subverts the natural order of things. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and that when they have chastened him, right? So there's first chastening, will not hearken unto them. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and they won't execute him. Bring him unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place, and they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard, and all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he dies. So shalt thou put what? Evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. The general equity of that is pertinent to teach us moral lessons on disobedience, right? That it shouldn't be countenanced by us. And parents and children, uh, children rather, you should never disobey. Never. I'll speak on spanking and corporal punishment in another sermon on discipline. But discipline, parents, calls for a strict, firm, but loving response. Right? Appropriate to age, mental capacity, level of disobedience, and so on. But it does call for a stern response, whether verbal, physical, or other. It's such importance that children be obedient, right? This is throughout the Bible, that it finds itself as a qualification for elders. Titus 1.6, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Right? An unruly child disqualifies you from being an elder, men. It's a part of our call to rule our home well. Otherwise, how will a man rule the church? An unruly child is a sign a man ought never be in office. But for all of us then, right? Because, you know, the eldership is not something that is for super Christians. It's assumed that you are these things, men. And the fact that you're not these things is what disqualifies you from being an elder. But all men ought to be men of the sort who have their children who are under control, not accused of riot or unruly. 
And that's not a secondary task in our rearing of them. It is a primary thing. Again, and this is how the scripture speaks of your own walk with the Lord. So think of yourself. 1 Peter 1.14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. How can a disobedient child know the first principles of obedience to Christ, parents? They can't. Because the scripture assumes that you walk as obedient children to the Lord. And so for their own soul's sake, I'll plead with you again, have them obey you. Have them obey you today. It's not optional, it's a requirement. Again, a toddler and a teenager have different capacities. So we have to be reasonable in our expectations for obedience. But I think we live in a time when we tend to be too loose rather than too strict. Ask me, the elders or another older godly couple, if you're concerned that you may be too loose or too strict. Another part I would say is consider the products of a home and go and speak to those who have children who seem to do well in these areas and learn of them. And certainly don't learn from Disney. And when you look to elect men for office, right, we hope that God will raise more men. If they have children, consider the children's conduct. The Bible says that is a biblical thing to do. Now, I I thought on Joseph here, and uh, I'll end with a couple more minutes, Lord willing. I thought on Joseph and how Joseph even obeyed his father's wishes after his death, right? In Genesis 50, he told Pharaoh, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father, according as he made thee swear. Now, what a heartwarming thing, that even after his father dies, right, Joseph has a care to be obedient to him. He's not even concerned about what the Pharaoh has to think, his own superior, Right? He says to the Pharaoh, let me go and do this thing, right? that I must bury my father. And the Pharaoh right, had respect unto Joseph. And you must think of it in this way then. What Joseph learned of the fifth commandment in the home greatly affected his walk with Pharaoh. He was a man to be trusted by the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh understood even his natural affection for his father made him a man who he could give the commonwealth to. Right? This is, again, the fifth commandment teaches you how to rule in both church and state. I think on a son who is an obedient, respectful, parent-honoring child, he will prove to be blessed as a future leader and respected as a trusted subordinate. So if you have a care for their future blessings, teach them obedience to parents. And children, I hope you are hearing, this is for your own blessing. Well, there's been a lot of law in this sermon, I suppose, but the subject matter demands it because this is a sermon of our duty to God. But we recognize that we have all failed and come short of the glory of God, whether we are parent or child in our duty. And so children, even as you and I have fallen short of the glory of God, remember how your faith is ever to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Never displace that. Never displace duty with a sense of your dependence on the Lord, right? You need to have both. And think of it, children. How is it that you are saved? Is it because you and me kept the fifth commandment? No, it is because Jesus, precious Jesus, 
always honored his father and his mother perfectly. And you think of this when we think of humility, right? If the son of God, right, the second person of the Godhead would humiliate, humble himself to such a degree that he would have human parents that he would submit to, this is not too much for you and I to be called to, is it? In fact, he would say, I am the example to you. You cannot be too proudful, prideful, right? In his relationship to God, the Father, what did we hear him say? The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. John eight twenty nine. And so our glory and our hope is that Jesus always kept the fifth commandment and pleased God his Father. Even so, you and I are called to do all things to be well-pleasing to him. And it pleases Christ, boys and girls. You have his love of complacency that we heard of a few weeks ago. The same delight the father has for Jesus himself when you honor your father and your mother out of the heart children. And so parents, if God has a love of complacency for those that honor him, you ought to show great pleasure to your children when they honor you. Reward them for their obedience. Shine a smile upon them. Show them delight when they obey. Just as God rewards us so often. Not just having a negative form of discipline, but a positive reinforcement as well. You know, very few children, and I hear this in the counseling room all the time, very few children, sad to say, have heard, well done, my good and faithful child. And yet that's the very thing that is, the, those are the words that we long to hear from our Father in heaven who condescends so much with all of our sin, right? And for all of our wickedness, even in our obedience, sin mixed up in it, right? He has promised to say that those who, who deny themselves, who carry their cross daily and follow after him will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So you are not above God in that too. Give your children a loving affirmation when they walk well. See how God is in the scriptures, both firm and loving. These things are not contrary one to another. Well, we will speak more on discipline another time in its positive and negative forms. But for now, let's conclude here. Please rise for prayer, if able.